And our friends at podswag.com have gotten an incredible promotion for you right now. When you purchase any of our glassware, such as pint glasses or LaGreca pub glasses, you'll get 30% off. That's right. 30% off on all of our glassware, which is the lifeblood for all our daddy sodas and LaGreca shit. So take advantage of this deal while you can, because supplies won't last. Once they're gone, they're gone. So the glassware that we have available at podswag.com slash busted open, that's it. So when they're sold, you ain't going to see them again. So make sure you go to podswag.com slash busted open. I am drinking currently out of my busted open bully Ray glass. Nice. So I'm drink I'm drinking out of that. So, and then, and then once the show is over, maybe even before, the show is over. I have my Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA, and I'll be drinking that out of my uh, La Greca Daddy Soda pub glass. Make sure you get them right now at potswag.com slash busted open and get 30% off. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Bully Ray dive into AEW Dynamite, especially that main event that has everybody talking, and that's Kenny Omega and Vikingo. And we're going to do that right now. On the Busted Open Podcast. I have to say this about that match last night. And pretty much just seconding everything you just said. I wasn't sure what I was going to get from that match last night, Bully. Because quite honestly, and I don't know if you could ever say this in the last 15 to 20 years in pro wrestling. Where, as you know, Bully, right now, social media is as big as it's ever been. You know... Vikingo has like about 8,000 Twitter followers. Like he's not a, he's not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And he's in the main event on an AEW dynamite. And you know what, bully? It was amazing. Stole the show without a doubt from last night. And maybe one of the best main events we've seen all year across the board. So to AEW, a bit of a tip of the cap, but also pretty ballsy move by AEW putting a, pos- a a wrestler in that position like they did last night bully but as you said one hell of a match by both Kenny and Vikingo he's up to 9670 followers i believe he started the night before the match at about 8000 so that's a nice little pickup of followers from last night's match yeah listen uh, zero psychology, but it didn't matter. Um, that is one of those matches where the guys are so athletic and they can do so many things that others can't do, or they can do so many things that others do, but they just do it that much better. You just sit back, you know, you, you throw the psychology out the door, you throw the registering and the selling out the door and you just enjoy it for what it is because there's very few in the world who can do it as well as Kenny and Vikingo did it last night. 
I love the way they started with, uh, you know, Kenny's entrance and Vikingo diving right out onto him. If you're going to go, if you know, you're going to going to go hot and heavy for the entire match, why not start as hot and heavy as possible? And that suicide dive right off the bat, you know, set the pace for everything. I was really hoping that he was going to do his table spot that spring, that inverted springboard 630 from in the ring to the outside the ring through the table. It's it looks amazing. And if you if you want to know how dangerous and how close he comes with his head at, at any given moment, watch later on in the match. When he goes to hit the 630 off the top turnbuckle onto Kenny, but Kenny moves. Vikingo barely clears his head on that final turn. I mean, a lot of risk involved with last night's match. Obviously, that match is catering directly to the AEW fan base. Um, Hopefully, they picked up some viewers at the end of the night. Just people sticking around and watching these two incredible athletes going all out and just flipping and flying all over the place. And I think the I think the MVP of last night's match between Kenny and Vikingo, I shouldn't say MVP, but I'm gonna say what really stood out to me. Kenny's a fucking machine. And that was Kenny's first singles match in over 500 days he was injured he came back he's been tagging with the bucks they've been doing some six-man matches but according to the announcers that was his first singles match in over 500 days and dave you know how we talk about rust on the show i didn't see an ounce of rust on kenny none zero i mean i felt like i was watching you know the the best of kenny omega last night and Kenny is absolutely incredible at what he does. And I got to give both men um, their props this morning on that match. Now, love to hear your take on it because it was Okada Omega that brought us together. Yes. How did you like the match last night? How did you feel that that match last night compared to Okada Omega? Well, I mean, with Okada and Omega, you know, going in that like, you're going to have that type of match. I didn't know what to expect with that match last night. I thought the commentators did a good job, you know, putting over Vikingo. Like, I thought they did a really good job with that bully. Uh, but I really didn't know what to expect. And it's funny how you said that that, that match catered to the AEW audience. I think that match really catered to the live audience that was in attendance at that arena. You know, you always talk about when... When I say, sorry, when I say the AEW audience, I'm talking about the live crowd and the crowd at home. The AEW yes. diehard. Yes, and but, and I, but I'm, and I'm saying about the audience that was in the house last night in the arena. Because you always say about with Spot Fest Wrestling that, you know, you're playing up to the oohs and ahs of the crowd. And not really telling a story. I'll get to the story in just a second. Because I don't know if it was necessarily a story that they told last night. But they did have me at the edge of my seat. Not only because of the spots. But also the danger of those spots. As you alluded to a little bit earlier. Like There was a lot of like, oh my god. Like There was a couple of times I thought Kenny fell flat. Like right at the top of his head. Where I was like, oh my god, is he okay? 
And I feel like the audience that was in attendance took that ride with me. I mean, it was oohs and ahs and oohs and ahs. And usually we talk about that bully in a negative way. I felt like last night, because of who was in the ring and somebody that the mainstream audience doesn't know, I would think now they made somebody last night. Like, that's somebody now, if he's ever going to be on the show again or part of the roster or on the card, I'm going to now want to watch his matches. And they actually had me buying in Bully where I thought that there was a chance Kenny was going to lose last night. Like, I never would have expected that going into that match. There's no way Kenny's going to lose. But they almost had me a couple of times where I thought, oh, my God, Kenny's actually going to lose this match. When they opened the show with one of the Bucks going to the hospital and Kenny looking so concerned, I said to myself, they could be setting the tone here that Kenny's got a lot on his mind, thus might miss a step against Vikingo and allow uh, Vikingo to get the one, two, three. I would not have had a problem putting Vikingo over because you could have still slipped him over, had Kenny down. You would have, you know, made a megastar with that victory and then did the aftermath with Kenny. But I don't know what the plan is for Vikingo after last night, whether he's staying with AEW or not. I'm sure all the AEW diehards who know what time each of those guys take a crap in the morning uh, could probably let you know what uh what the plan is but yeah i i could have made a case for him going over 25 years old uh phenomenal athlete you said that you know you you now know what you'd be getting from him in future matches dave i think that's actually a little bit of a detriment because i think that since what we saw last night all right Next time you see Vikingo, you're going to want the exact same match from him and the exact same match from him and then the exact same match from him. And there's probably only a couple of guys like a um, like a Ray Phoenix, like a Pac. Like um, those are the two that really come to mind who are going to be able to do everything that Kenny was able to do with him last night. I'm sure there's a couple more guys. But I think that once you've seen one Vikingo match, you've seen them all. That's not taking away from how exciting they're going to be. But if they continue to use him, and if he's able to get over, and if we can get into his character just a little bit and his story and not just his moves, I'd love to see him against the Phoenix and a Pac, but then move over to somebody who is his complete opposite, like a Cesaro. A, 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 a 180 from the style that Vikingo works because that's when the magic starts. Yeah, and, and Bully, I don't know if we're going to get that. Who knows? Maybe the next time we see him might be at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view in the summer, which, by the way, is almost a sellout at this point. Um, as much as we complained about the Forbidden Door pay-per-view and how it sidetracked some stories, it seems to be now one of the bigger pay-per-views for AEW is Forbidden Door. But again, maybe it's somebody you just bring in for special events, special attractions, or maybe they do 
use him more where you can get kind of a story because he could be that guy. I think Bully, and this happens very rarely in pro wrestling where you go into a match and you really don't know much about that person and you pretty much know what the outcome is going to be of that match and then they surprise you. You know, we we said that a little bit with uh, Action Andretti not that long ago when he got that big win over Chris Jericho. And honestly, since then, they haven't really done a lot with Action Andretti, you know, where they could have really capitalized something that could have been special. And I think that moment is lost. I, I, it's almost unfortunate because, you're, you know, Chris Jericho loses a match to Action Andretti and they really don't capitalize on it like they should. Um, I think this match last night is one of those matches where a lot of fans, you know, eyes were, wow. Like, oh my God, I can't believe what I just saw. And... I, I really felt you got that last night. And you know what, Bully? And you are you may disagree with me on this one. I wish they didn't do all the stuff after the match. Like, I was so amazed by what I just saw. And I bought into that match so much. And I was really like, wow. Almost to the point where I wanted to watch that match again. It took me out of that moment when they did all the stuff with Hangman Page and Don Callis. Like, listen, I think that could be a cool story. I understand why they did it, but I wish they didn't do it right after that match last night. I agree with you. I would have liked to have seen Vikingo go over, leave the ring, and then do the aftermath. So let, let me let me backtrack. Sure. I don't agree with you based on the way they did it. I would have loved to see the Viking, whatever the hell his name is, go over and then have Kenny just standing in the middle of the ring or sitting in the middle of the ring. He would have gotten a standing ovation from that crowd. And Don Callis helps him up because Don, you know, he's the mastermind over there. And then here comes the BCC. So now you bring the people way up. And then you run the heat angle afterwards. And then you make the big save. The people were already happy that Kenny won. I would have had the people down low. I would have had them happy in a different way. Like, damn, Kenny, that was a hell of an effort. You would have gotten Viking over with the win. I don't think I don't think last night was a was a situation where one guy went over and one guy got over. Yeah, Kenny won, but Vikingo didn't get over in my eyes any more than he's been in the past because I know what he can do. He did last night all of his typical stuff. I've seen him do it before. I was familiar with him. But 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 you were, but how many people who were watching that show last night did? Um, I think that AEW fans were familiar with him. I would say the majority of AEW fans are familiar with him because AEW fans know just about everything else that's going on in the world of pro wrestling that's not in the WWE. So I think they were they, they knew what was going on. And to slip him over, my God, that would have been shocking. Absolutely shocking. And then he gets out of the ring, and there's Kenny, in the middle of the ring, dejected, like, damn, that young kid got me. Slipped one over on me. Here's Don Callis, and now you bring in the BCC to pick the bones. Kenny, while get Kelly, Kenny while he's down and dejected, because he's still thinking about what went on with uh with Nick or Matt, whoever got taken to the hospital. 
And then obviously Hangman comes back, which is very convenient timing of he stole the ambulance and arrived right at the exact time. But that's very Stone Cold-esque booking right there. That's creative liberty right there so they can get away with it. We are full speed on the road to WrestleMania. This is Dave LaGreca, host of Busted Open, a Sirius XM podcast. Join me and the Busted Open team every day for the best pro wrestling talk on the planet. It's all leading up to WrestleMania in L.A., where Busted Open will be coming to you live April 1st from the iconic Whiskey A Go-Go in Hollywood. To find out how you can join, stay tuned to Busted Open or on Twitter at Busted Open Radio. Download Busted Open every afternoon on the SXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Kenny Omega... There's people out there, Bully, and you know this because, like you said, that Kenny Omega Okada match is what got our relationship going on air on this show. There are people that think Kenny Omega is the best pro wrestler in the world. So when you have that opportunity in a main event on Dynamite, I mean, you know, yes, V. Kingo could have another big match with Commander, but I mean, don't sleep on the fact that what we just saw last night. I I don't know. See, when I hear the word pro wrestler, I think of Randy Orton, mm-hmm. not Kenny Omega. I, Kenny Omega is definitely the best of something in the world. I just don't know if it's the right word is pro wrestler. Interesting. Wow. Uh, I, I, performer is not the right word. No. Um, and, I, and I don't want to say spot guy because that would be demeaning to his abilities. But, man, I'd love to see. And you know what? It, it may have already happened. Can you tell me the match that you've seen Kenny in where the most psychology was used? I'm going to I'm gonna probably go with the match that he had with Jericho. And which one was that? The one, the the one yeah, at, the, at, at Wrestle Kingdom. Okay. I mean, I remember the match, but I don't remember the specifics. Like, I would love to see Kenny Omega versus a Randy Orton, a Kenny Omega versus a John Cena. Guys that understand real psychology. Now, there's a very good chance that Kenny understands real psychology, just doesn't apply it. You know, Billy Cor. I never forget a conversation with Billy Corgan. Billy is a rocker. Billy is a metalhead at, at heart. He just knows that metal doesn't cater to his demographic. Yes. So he plays, he play. He, he, you know, he's got his, you know, he's got zero and he's got, you know, a couple other rockers, but for the most part, you know, that smashing pumpkin sound isn't as heavy or as rocking as maiden or priest, which he grew up on in love. Conversely, Kenny might have a great grasp of, Ric Flair-esque or Ricky Steamboat-esque psychology just decides not to incorporate it because he knows that's not what his fan base wants to see. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because it's not even just the spot fest stuff. or You know, he had that, and it was a match that you were a big fan of, Bully, the match that he had with John Moxley, that exploding barbed wire death match, a match that you really liked up until, obviously, the end. So... This isn't about like appreciating his matches because you definitely appreciate his matches. But I understand if he went to the world of the WWE, you're not going to get or you're rarely going to get the type of match that we had last night. Now, maybe he might be able to showcase that on a pay-per-view. But even there, it's more about the psychology than the actual technical wrestling, if you will, like, like what you usually see in a Kenny Omega match. 
I mean, I think Kenny style would best be suited for NXT just because he'd probably be able to get away with all that stuff down there. And in no way do I want to see Kenny in NXT. Kenny is too, is far too big of a star for NXT, but I'm just talking about the style in which they work. Could you, uh, you know, you could, uh, like I said, Kenny against any of those guys up there, Kenny and Roman, my God, you know, Dave, this is the truth too. And, and pro wrestlers who are worth their weight in knowledge know that you have to go to the WWE to truly round out your knowledge of this industry to truly learn the right way from the, from the handful that are still there that you can really learn from. It would be amazing to see what would happen with a Kenny. If he spent a year there with the right guys in the ring and the right minds um, to help him round out his psychological performances. Interesting. I mean, because AJ you know, Styles did... once pulled me on the side and he, he he said, Bubba, you were right. Everything that you preached when to the to the guys like me and Daniels and Joe and Kazarian, everybody in TNA when we were young guys doing all the high spots and you would talk about the WWE and psychology and learning when and why and how and how to save things. He goes, you were so right. He goes, but you don't learn that stuff until you actually get there. It's kind of like it's kind of like your dad or your your mom and dad trying to teach you something, and you just yes them to death, and you don't listen, you don't listen, you don't listen, and then that life experience smacks you in the face, and you're like, ah, that's what they were trying to teach me. I I, I always find it interesting, um, like a, like an AJ Styles who spent all that time like with Impact Wrestling and then with Ring of Honor, spent time in Japan about what that life is like now that you're in the WWE. And obviously he's happy there because he's never left there once he came to the WWE. And then you have an MVP bully who, you know, when his when his run was done in the WWE, he was actually happy about exploring everything else that was out there in pro wrestling. Going to Japan, he, he loved wrestling so much he wanted to experience every type of lifestyle that there was in pro wrestling. I'm sure there's a lot of people out. Look what uh, Mercedes uh, Monet is doing right now, you know, being in Japan, which I actually think is going to help her when she finally goes back to WWE. Because I, I really think she's going to go back to the WWE at some point. But I think I think it's good to have that time to experience other avenues in pro wrestling. And I also think that, at least for me, Bully, I'm going to have a lot more respect for Sasha. Not that I didn't before, but remember that head and shoulders conversation that we had during the lockdown when it came to Charlotte and Sasha? I don't think you're going to have that once Sasha finally comes back to the world of the WWE. Why? Because I feel like there's some credibility and respectability of working in Japan and working she's had, that. St- she's had she's had one match in Japan and one match in America. Yep, yeah, I, I understand that, but you know, I don't know if that's the last we're going to see of her in Japan. When is her next match scheduled? I don't think she has one. How how could you say she would close the gap? with Charlotte 
if she's only wrestled one match in Japan and one match in America I, since she has left the WWE. But she's but she's had that match in Japan and she got the respect of being out there in Japan. As a matter of fact, I don't even think she had a match in Japan. She appeared in Japan, but only had that one match over here. But but let me ask you. Okay, so it was just the appearance in the dome. Yeah, yeah. Um, But let me ask you, Bully, because you're the perfect person to ask because you've done done it all. That's why you're the most decorated tag team wrestler of all time. When you went to Japan and you wrestled in Japan, and again, I don't know what the answer is. That's why I'm asking. Did it bring a little bit more validity to your career by being by being in Japan and being accepted by that Japanese audience? Yes, but not because of one match. It's because of many matches and many tours. It was being able to go to all Japan and conquer all Japan. And it was being able to go to New Japan and conquer New Japan also. Many tours there, uh, multiple uh, time tag team champions, winning championships in the Dome, undefeated in Japan. You didn't know that, did you? No, I did not know that till now. Me and Devon have never been beaten in Japan. Anytime there was a match where me and Devon lost championships, another team got beat. Me and Devon have never been pinned in Japan. Me and Devon have never been submitted in Japan. So that's how you earn your credibility. You earn your credit. You truly, to me, you can never be called the best in anything in this business until you conquer every single company at your disposal in the world. Wow. That's a big statement, Bully. That that makes you the best. Am I going to sit here and tell you that me and Devon are the best tag team of all time? I can't do that. Because first of all, it's subjective. There were guys out there that were much better workers than Ricky and Robert were better workers than us. Dennis and Bobby were better workers than us. Arn and Tully were better workers than us. But I'll be damned if we didn't do more than all of them. Well, you did. and In and every territory on the planet. Now, for me, and I think we're on the same page here, in your, in your opinion, what was the... Who is the greatest tag team of all time? It's the Road Warriors. It's the and I believe that too. But why? It's because of the same reason why you're on high on that list as well. Because the Road Warriors did it everywhere. They did but it. I can everywhere. make the case, Dave. If I was to make this, and I don't want this conversation to be about me. I, you know, I don't like talking about me on the air. But now we're talking about tag teams, Dave. What if I was to make this case? The Dudleys are more are a better tag team than the Road Warriors because the Dudleys conquered the biggest territory in the world that the Road Warriors could not conquer. They didn't conquer the WWE. As a matter of fact, they got eaten up, chewed out, spit out. I mean, they did win the tag titles in the WWE, and I don't know if that's, you know, obviously it's not the fault of the Road Warriors creatively, and don't get me started, and thank God people don't really bring up the run that they had in the WWE. They bring up that they were champions and, you know, everything else. But um, you, we could do shows on how they were treated in the WWE, Rocco and all that crap. But, like, obviously they took a step back when they went to the WWE where you and, 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 and Devon took a step forward in the WWE, to your point. 
any place that the Road Warriors wrestled, we wrestled. I mean, we obviously we couldn't wrestle in the AWA. Any place that they, we wrestled, they wrestled. We wrestled also, and we had the same, if if not more, success. Were we as a big of a deal in Japan as the Road Warriors? Absolutely not. But we won our share of championships, much like they did. But the Road Warriors, to me, are the team of all teams. They are the number one tag team of all time because they can do the one thing that I don't believe any other singular tag team on their own could do, and that's puts asses in seats. You see, if you put the Rock and Roll Express's name on the marquee, you needed the Midnight right next to them to sell the place out because you knew you were getting that match. All you had to do was put the Road Warriors name on the marquee, and you were selling out. It's that's over. Uh, you couldn't put the Dudley's name on its own on the marquee and sell it out. But when you left, you're going to remember that the Dudley stole the show, but you needed another team to do that with. Well, and bully, I, I saw it firsthand and we've had many discussions and I, you know, as far as a tag team, it's the road warriors. Like there's wrestler like Hulk Hogan being one that didn't matter who Hogan was wrestling. He was going to sell out the building in that run in the mid to late eighties. But I saw it firsthand, like, the Road Warriors would sell out the Meadowlands. I mean, and it didn't matter who they were wrestling. Like, I remember going to Star Wars 85, Bully. And, listen, on that card, you got Ric Flair against Harley Race. Okay? You got Rick Martel against Jimmy Garvin for the AWA Championship. You had the Road Warriors against... Baron Von Rashney and Jerry Lawler, by who, by the way, at that time, Jerry Lawler and the Baron were uber, uber baby faces. And the Road Warriors were heels. And as soon as the Road Warriors came out, the Road Warrior pop. Everybody got on their feet, 20,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs. So when people bring up like a Ric Flair or the Four Horsemen or the NWO that they started the whole bad guys being cheered. It was the road warriors. That was the first time bully that I ever saw anyone that was a heel getting cheered as much as the road warriors got cheered. That's just because the people respected them and loved their ass kicking abilities. They weren't going out of their way to get cheers much no. like a Kevin and a Scott. I love Kevin and Scott to death, but Kevin and Scott, their reactions to the baby faces is what turned them baby face. Cause they just didn't care. Um, but yeah, enough, enough, enough talk about, about this stuff. <laughs> no, it's just good. No, I, I get it. No, but this is, I think this is why people tune into busted open bully, because I love this type of conversation. And honestly, my phone is blowing up with people talking about the road wars. And listen, I don't know if the road warriors would work today because of the style that they worked. Also bully, if they didn't want to do something, they wouldn't do it. You know, Vern Gagne wanted the fabulous ones to beat the Road Warriors for the AWA Tag Team Champions, and they were basically, fuck you. And they told the fabulous ones in the ring, saying, it ain't happening tonight. Think about that, if that happened today. The fabulous ones were standing in the ring. The Road Warriors made their entrance. They get in the ring. They go face-to-face -face with the fabulous ones, and they tell them, we ain't going for the finish. Imagine standing across from Hawk and Animal in their heyday, gassed to the gills, and they tell you, we ain't going to for the finish. Ooh, boy. 
Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. SiriusXM Podcasts. <laughs>